Holy moly, Havelina hundred goblins and ghouls. We are about one week away from the 2021 running of Havelina. Time flies when you're running a bunch of training miles. For those of you tuning in for the first time, I'm Shelby Farrell, a SoCal-based runner creating content for the Steep Life Media podcast with a goal of getting you pumped for an epic Halloween-y running event. I think this episode is going to do just that. This week, I meet with an FKT legend, coach, guide, and all-around super strong runner crushing a hundo in 12 hours and 57 minutes on a track, Joe McConaughey. However, the cool kids call him String Bean. Before you hear from String Bean, let's see where I'm at with training. It's a taper party, baby. I sufficiently beat up my legs this training block. I feel super strong running a CR on a popular LA trail in the middle of my final 100 mile week. That's right, you can call me the queen of Westridge. JK, JK. But it is so fun to visibly be able to track your progress on local segments. Cyclist Isabel King is a master at that. Look her up if you want some inspo. From here on out, it is all about self-care, mobility, organizing all the little loose ends so for the first time ever, I can get a good sleep the night before the race and the night before that. Hashtag goals. Okay, I'm excited to share this happy little running combo with you. So without further ado, here is the one and only Joe McConaughey. All right, I'm with the string dot bean on Instagram. Joe hey. McConaughey. Yeah. <laughs> so excited to talk to you. You've done a ton of rad stuff. I mean, like looking at your list of FKTs, you got some big ones on there. So we'll talk about that today. But how are you doing? You're running Havelina 100. I'm doing great. I uh, just did a this morning, I, I put a t-shirt on, a long sleeve on, and a rain jacket on, and then two pairs of pants and two hats, because Seattle, believe it or not, doesn't, doesn't get as warm as Phoenix. That's a great method. Did you sweat through it all? or how? how hopefully, did... yeah. Hopefully, I won't be that sweaty in the desert, but you know, you can only do so much. Yeah. How, how have you done in heat in the past? Um mixed uh, very mixed bag i guess i've like so vermont i did the vermont 100 miler two years ago yeah no one raced last year so uh vermont 100 miler it was like 95 degrees and like full humidity and um i actually raced really well on that i had very few stomach issues just kind of cruised through um and then i did sean o'brien which was like I'm, so i used to live in boston and then sean o'brien's in uh in California and I like DN that, that was probably my most embarrassing DNF race I've done where like mile 50 I DNF'd and I just like I cruised some really fast downhill miles like halfway through and then I got passed by Courtney Dow Walter and then I was like I had a fanboy moment and then after that everything went downhill for me uh, and the heat played a major factor in that one and then when I did the AT I got like a little case of rhabdo on a really hot day in the smokies so overall i've seen a lot of heat and uh and and uh it's always it's always a good time but you can never really feel that good going into it when you're not training 
in the in the right conditions. Right. You mentioned Vermont, which is my old stomping grounds, uh, the Long Trail. Oh yeah, it's a beautiful one. I've played on it a little bit, not as much as you, but. Uh, Are you from Vermont? I'm from Connecticut originally, but then nice. I went to college. East Coast, and, East Coast. Yeah, baby. I still feel like an East Coast girl, even though I'm I'm out here in SoCal. So Sean O'Brien's uh, my turf now, but <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, love Vermont. Was there for I don't know seven ish years, and that was when. That's where I got into ultra running. Um, the J Peak 50K does a little out and back on the long trail. I remember doing it in like old road shoes because I just, I didn't even know trail shoes were a thing then. <laughs> you just have running shoes. Why do you need different running shoes? All right. Yeah. And I was like a broke college kid. So I wasn't going to have multiple pairs of running shoes at the time. And man, have times changed. <laughs> yeah. I think I have, I think I have 12 in my rotation. 12 yeah I it's a great excuse to buy more shoes because you can keep them fresh longer if you're rotating through so and then you just never retire them you don't keep track and you just loot and you just like well these look good enough they pass, the, they pass the eye test even if they don't pass the smell test yes yeah they rarely pass the smell test <laughs> I'm so bad at tracking miles on shoes there was a point my husband's very good at it he had like a pair of vans that we'd go for walks on and he even had those in his Strava <laughs> wow that's dedication he's a cyclist I think it's that's part of their uh gear mentality maybe I don't know <laughs> data data driven jerks cyclists they are <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh um yeah okay so you got Arizona Trail Long Trail Wicklow Round in Ireland Appalachian Trail PCT which of those was your favorite experience and let's talk about it oh man you're gonna make me pick one <sighs> sorry <laughs> that's true we I don't want this to be like a two hour long three hour maybe longer than that thing um favorite you have to give me a better a better superlative than favorite oh uh, okay the back. one this is actually a a guest question uh, I don't know if you know Allison Mercer. The oh, oh man, let's yeah. skip on. Let's move on. No, <laughs> All right, what does Allison want? The queen of uh, the FKT social media. Uh, she she wanted to know if you were to do the AT all over again, what would you do differently? Uh, I would probably try to run it faster if I could. Okay. That would be my, uh, that would be number one. That would be like on, on the, in the locker room, they have like the inspirational sign on the side of a locker room. That would be the, um, do what I, would I do different on the AT? Uh, um, so I did the AT in, uh, like 45 days and I averaged 50 miles a day and, it was honestly a very clean run. Like I think if I, when I think back to my other efforts that I've done since then, that probably was like the cleanest by cleanest. I mean, like the, you know, I kind of, all the logistics came together, which is hilarious because, you know, it's, it's over a month long compared to you know, the long trail was like five days. Um, but um things I do differently, I would definitely change my training. I mean, I, you know, I was working like a full-time job and, uh, and literally my, the company I worked for was like, yeah, you get 60 days off to go do this thing. Cause that's what I pitched them on. And, uh, 
And so going into it, it was very rushed and training was pretty good, but I could have probably put in more mileage. But on the, on the same time, I have like a philosophy that like going, going out hard on a multi-day FKT like that is like one of the dumber things you could do for your overall strategy. Um, I definitely had a few like packing things that I could have done a little better job on um, where just like some basic first aid stuff. Definitely, I would have a different type of headlamp. I was using like an REI spot and those things just like suck for overnight running. So not an REI, the black diamond spot. Um, so there are a few things like that that I would do differently. Um, I would, uh, I mean, the biggest thing that hurt me was just injuries, right? Like a bunch of injuries that cropped up, which part of that I think is, uh, is like how much fluid intake. I kind of was a little low on fluid intake because it was really hot. And I, I think I underestimated that a little bit, which I think contributed to a few, a few issues. Um, the AT also would be really fun, uh, to, I think have like, a to, to go after it again and to kind of be under the gun a second time in, in terms of pacing. Like when I did it, I was, I was like, yeah, I, I'm, it would be hard for me not to break the self-supported record after going halfway through and uh, like I beat the supported record by like 10 hours. Um, and I think having that was really motivational, but I like really fell apart in the, um, in the like white mountains in New Hampshire and in Southern Maine. So I was like two, maybe like a day and a half ahead of the, of the FKT time. And then just like a lot of things went wrong towards the end. So I would love to have like a redemption to do that second part of it, um, which, Going after the AT a second time, it's like really easy to say. I don't think that's in my cards anytime soon, but it would be pretty pretty rad to have a, a second shot at that. Yeah, it would. Okay, so something that you said that's less related to the trail itself, you pitched to the company that you're working at to have 60 days to do this. What did that look like? I mean, I think there's a lot of us that are working full-time jobs and trying to adventure so I think that this strategy could inspire some of us <laughs> just don't work and pursue your passions that's what like you know college tells you uh no so it, it um had been something that was kind of I so after I did the Pacific Crest Trail in 2014 I was like I'm never going to do a long trail like this again like that it just like destroys your body huge time commitment like this is the bucket list thing I'm going to do in my life and then and then on the flip side, it was like, but if I were to do it again, I would do the Appalachian Trail and I'd do it self-supported. And so that had kind of been in the back of my mind. And I was on like a performance review talk with my boss. I had a Swedish boss. So I work for like a Swedish company called Education First. And they're pretty good about, it was, it's like a, they're, they're pretty good about, um, about, they just have like a different corporate culture, I think, than, than some other, you know, US-based companies. But the corporate culture, I think helped a little bit. And my boss was like, so Joe, like, what do you want out of your job? Do you want a promotion, like more money, like title? Do you want to like switch your role? And it was like, I kind of was like, well, if I just say like, I want to do the AT as my main like goal, maybe, I don't know what the, I don't know what you'd say to that. Cause it's so out of left field. So I was like, I've kind of always wanted to like do the Appalachian trail. And she, my boss was Swedish. So she was like, oh, that sounds cool. Like, I'm sure we can have that happen. She's like, how long is it? And I was like, over 2000 miles. And she was like thinking kilometers. She was like, oh, okay. 
so how long would that take? And I was like, probably about two months. And she's like, oh. Um, and she was just kind of like shell-shocked a little bit. And then uh, she sat on it and then came back to me and was like, yeah, I think this is actually something we could do. Um, and, you know, for me, it was almost, it was one of those things that I thought about a bunch and kind of had this like, whoa moment. I actually just told somebody sort of like what my like big goal that I didn't really know, even know I wanted that much was. And this was about eight months before the AT. And then so we I worked with her. I talked with my uh, like our president and, you know, I was in like sales job. Um, so they kind of were able to give me a little flexibility. We're like, yeah, you can take a two month two month break from work. Um, they were nice enough to keep, keep giving me like benefits, even though I, you know, I, I kind of foregoed my salary for those two months, but they gave me benefits and uh, we're really cool about it. Like I finished and I got a call from my president. She was super proud and was kind of like, uh, uh, she's a big cyclist. So she's really, gets really in like Tour de France and like endurance sports in general. And she was like, I got you a gift card for a massage and don't worry about coming into the office anytime soon. Oh, so it was a really cool, uh, cool moment. And it, you know, for me, it was like, wow, like, okay, maybe I can still do these types of adventures and, uh, and do kind of like longer, big efforts and spend time outdoors while managing, you know, while managing a career as well. That's so cool. Yeah. We need more corporate culture like that in the States. That's incredible. Yeah, I was, it was pretty, pretty sweet, but I, I, you know, it's a tough thing. Cause like to do big adventures, multi-day stuff, like, cause you did Cocodona and that took you what, like four days. I yeah. About five, five days. Yeah. And like that, you know, that in itself is like a five day commitment. Plus I don't know how much training you did for Cocodona, but I imagine it was a pretty big drain on, on what you were, you know, things outside, like just your, your personal life. Yeah, you know, I'm super grateful to have a partner that's also into endurance activities and will run with me. So that's good. I don't have kids and I have cats, so they're super low maintenance. I give huge props to, you know, people with families who are juggling all of the things because uh, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I just talked with a guy who I coach who he has. Uh, he has a few, a few children, like teenage kids. And uh, he did, um, he attempted like the long trail FKT this year and did very, very well, but didn't quite pull it off. And he, uh, we were kind of talking and he's like, oh, like, wait till you have kids and then try to, and then try to train like how you're training. I was like, yeah, you're probably totally right. But until then. <laughs> yeah, get it in. Yeah. So you've coached two athletes that have set long trail FKTs over the summer. That's yep. a huge accomplishment ton of fun too and especially because you know I did the long trail the previous summer and then to see two people and the guy who I just mentioned he was I think like 16 miles and seven hours away um from finishing as well so it's just I, so I worked with three three athletes on the long trail and it's kind of funny because you have all these weird theories and you know beliefs about multi-day efforts that you know I, I know before our call you were talking about how at Coconona you're like oh my god there's like eight million things that I probably could have done tweaked and done differently. And it's yeah. funny to have those tested out on other people and see how they perform and, and do. And it's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty hilarious and, and honestly quite gratifying. 
Yeah, I bet. I, I yeah, I was gonna say they're like little lab rats, but that sounds bad. <laughs> That's how I pitch it to people. I'm like, oh, you want to coach? Like, you can be my lab rat. Come on. <laughs> like, yes, yeah, sign me up, please. <laughs> Tell me everything. Yeah. Oh, that's really neat. So did you go out there and support them at all or just gave them all your wisdom and said, go for it? It was most, it was a wisdom, wisdom thing from afar. Unfortunately, I would have loved to have been there, but um, I'm a Seattleite now. So it's a long, oh, right. long distance yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's a haul. Yep. Yeah. So boss, so you, you're from Boston, like, well, out somewhere outside of Boston. I'm assuming. From Seattle, actually. So oh, from okay. Seattle, yeah. But I'd lived in Boston for like 11 years about. Gotcha. And then mm-hmm. went back home. Back home. Good old PNW. Yeah. Oh, it's, I need to spend more time up there. Um, yeah. Any good races I should put on my list? In- I just did. Um, it's a brand new race. Uh, it's called Dark Divide 50K. Um, and it's like a very small kind of like low frills type race um put on by wonderland running and um just like a really kind of random area around rainier called the dark divide um and like epic it just takes you over this like super epic ridge line um you just kind of get like you're you're not getting up crazy high i mean it, i think it's you get like 9k avert in 50k so it's like not a it's not a it's a lot of vert, but you basically hit this huge ridge line and you get um, like Mount uh, Mount Rainier views for a ton of it. That was just really nice. There's a ton of ton of great PNW races. Um, I also, if anybody's looking for races, I'm a big fan of um, Rain Shadow Running. They put on some really awesome, awesome events up here. Mm, I like the names. They all yeah. sound kind of mysterious and yeah, fun. Yeah. So have you been doing a lot of races this summer? What's your training kind of build up for Havelina been looking like I did um I've had like an unconventional summer so I did the Arizona trail then uh finished that in early April then I took like a good three-ish week break uh from running and then figured like oh I'll just get back into like you know Havelina training I had like an Achilles thing and then I turned 30 and literally like the, that day I had like my hip seized up and, uh, and took me out for a few weeks. So I had kind of like a few like injuries pop up, which is rare for me. I'm usually a pretty historically have been a healthy runner. Um, and then in the build up to this, I also work as a backpacking guide. So I was guiding trips in West Virginia and Yosemite. So if you look at the amount of miles I've done, it's kind of comical to see, but I've been, uh, really only doing like 60 70 mile weeks um putting a lot of a lot of hiking miles outside of that but um i did the dark divide 50k which was great in late july i think um and then am honestly feeling despite the situation i'm feeling pretty ready to rock for javelina um i think it'll be a little test of i think like heat and i think the the rollingness of the course concerned me a little bit, where it's just like a lot of super runnable terrain and a lot of that extended downhill will be interesting to see how that plays out with some faster, some faster paces, but, um, but I'm ready for it. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Well, you had said that you did like a crazy solo effort track hundred miler 
Yep. You're fast. So the last, yeah, the last two years, it's kind of been my like off season goal of like, what happens when you just go and run a track hundred miler as fast as you can. Uh, and, uh, you know, so that's, that's been a fun, a fun kind of like journey to take on first year went pretty well. Um, and then this last year I totally bombed. I, uh, I also found out I had, um, some like iron deficiency and, uh, low vitamin D type stuff rolling around. So it was good to figure that out, but it did not make for a fast or fun hundred mile or I DNF to 50. Yeah. How do you figure that out? I mean, you just blood test. <laughs> okay. So you're like, there's something wrong with me. And, went to and a history of, yeah, it's like, Oh, why am I not running good? Oh, at least I can blame it on like a lab result. Um, yeah. I mean, for but, the last two years, it's been, well, I don't know what year and a half it's been like, Oh, maybe I have COVID. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I got COVID toe and also COVID lungs and that does not make for fast. Running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't tell you how many times going uphill I've been like, Oh my God, I think it's it. I have COVID. It must yeah, be it. I'm done. Take me home. But yeah, yeah nope. Didn't, never got it. So just, yeah, I was, I was like running, like I hit like 30 miles and I went out a little faster than I did the previous year. And I could tell I'd like plateaued in my training in the lead up to the hundred miler this year. Or it was like for a good month, I was like, uh, the paces that I've been hitting are harder to hit. And that's probably not a good thing. And um, then I ran it and like 30 miles in, I was like, I need to, I went for like 640. I was going out of like 640 pace and I needed to drop to like 730. And then by the time I was at like 35 miles, I think I was hitting like nine plus and even like 10 minute miles on a track. And for comparison, like I did, a, uh, like when I hit a wall in the previous track hundred miler, I was going like seven thirties to eight thirties as I started to slow down. So it was like, this just doesn't feel right that I'm at like 40 miles and I can't, I'm, I can't keep an even slower pace than I did a year ago. Um, so like, I kind of was like, this just feels like a little weird, um, so then I got like a blood test and, and ended up finding that stuff out. Yeah. Well, it's good to have benchmark runs to track progress like that and catch funky bodily things. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely recommend folks to think about like a yearly, uh, a yearly like uh, test your iron levels and, and like a, a slightly more or like a blood, blood panel type thing. Um, especially if you're putting in a ton of miles, there's a lot, I think there's a lot of that that goes undetected. This sounds very 30 year old of you, Joe. Very wise. Yeah. Well, not why I was just talking with a guy who won, um, the 24 hour record, uh, um, in when like 20, 30 years, 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, I was telling him about my 30 year old problems and he was like, just you wait, man. Like he's, he's like, as you get older, running doesn't get easier. <laughs> nope. I will try to prove that wrong. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I think I've been doing yoga lately and I, I really think that helps a lot. What type of yoga do you do? Uh, a mix. It's like, it's hot, a hot studio, but, um, I'll do like a super chill restore class. They have a great sculpt and flow class, which we thought was going to be really silly because it involves like baby weights, but it was actually <laughs> really hard. Um, mm. And then just like your typical power vinyasa stuff. 
So you do that as kind of like a refresh after like a workout or something, or you just kind of have a set schedule and kind of just incorporate that into your routine or, or how do you pick what class you're doing? I'm a girl with no set schedule. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, kind of just how it fits into my day. If it does fit into my day, I, you know, I, it's funny. I've been getting the question a lot. Do you have a coach? And I, I don't have a coach. Maybe one day I will. Um, but I like to go with the flow, <laughs> yoga yeah. fun intended. Um, and yeah, I think that means like if, if there's an eight o'clock restorative class and I can get to it, like, great. If not, I'm not going to, you know, I tried to make this color coded spreadsheet. Um, it was like maybe four months ago. And I like tried yeah. to plan all the way out to Havelina with this beautiful spreadsheet. And uh, yeah, I, I ditched it. It was didn't just... work. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, I, I, I think that's super smart, right? Like, I don't think you should be setting anything more than like 10 days in advance of where you're currently at. Um, whenever you're putting like something like that together, because it's just like, it's really funny when it's like, you need to do this 22 mile long run to prepare for your marathon on this weekend. It's like, no, you need to know how stressed out you are and how training has gone up to this point and make a smart, educated decision based on how your training is going into it rather than kind of setting these like goals for yourself, you know? Um, Yeah. How do you help your athletes navigate that? different strokes for different folks. Some people are like great for, you know, like some people need the schedule and it's like, Oh, ABC, like I'm going to knock this off every week. Um, some people, uh, and you know, if, if you put it like the two types of people I see that don't do well in training are the types that like you put it on a calendar and they will do every single one run. Like one guy, I coach, he, um, Oh, come on. My dad. No. Um, sorry should have that. answered. He could have been a part of it. <laughs> hey dad, getting you in for a, Oh, I don't think we'd want to do that. Um, <laughs> so like one type of athlete I'll see is like, there was this guy specifically first guy I ever started coaching and he had finished a full day of work. He had like a 14 mile long run on his schedule. He drove like five hours from Boston to Maine. And then he did a, like a 14 mile long run in the dead of winter on the side of like a logging road with a bunch of logging trucks uh, and had one of the worst runs of his life. And like, that's the perfect example of like, we'll execute a plan to a T even if it's not kind of like the right solution. Right. And then there's other folks, which I think probably I, I'm a little more in line with this side is like you kind of fly by the seat of your pants and you try to do as much as you can and, and make it all work. Um, and then you look back and you realize like, wait a second, because I didn't do any planning or because I was too, too flexible with my schedule, I missed a bunch of workouts or I didn't get the mileage in, or I didn't do X, Y, and Z. So it's, you know, different, depending on how people operate, you know, usually they fall in kind of one of those two buckets that, um, just requires like a little extra, like love and TLC whenever they're planning something that it's like, okay, you you have like a very, like very on top of it, analytical type personality. Like let's take you and help you like de-stress and like, you know, you have a few marquee events, but if you have like a super important life event on a Saturday, it's okay to move your long run to a Sunday. Like it's not the end of the world. That's cool that you can cater to different personalities like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's funny. It is funny. There's so many different types of runners. Um, and with all those big marathons that just happened this past weekend, uh, you know, I got to see it come out and a lot of my friends, like, you know, isn't it been crazy. It's been like psycho (laughs) seeing all these runners. Yeah. It's, it's great though. It's so good for the running community. I'm like, Hey, you want to do this run? And they're like, no, I have to do this tempo run this distance because I'm (laughs) running Chicago and you're like, okay, well, you know, I'll do that with you. It's fine. (laughs) Then I'll do some more miles later, whatever. (laughs) You have a lot of, you have a lot of road running friends. I'd say it's 50, 50. And it's funny because some of the road runners are down for trails. Some of the trail runners are down for road or absolutely hate the road. And it's like really interesting to see the split. Yeah. Some people are like, I will never touch a road with my, only with my dead body. Yeah. Which hopefully <laughs> never happens, but yeah. What, what is your, I'm curious, what, how has your lead up looked like for Javelina? Um, how has my lead up looked like? I guess I feel like I, I wanted to do the Lost Coast Trail FKT as an out and back this August. Um, I ended up only going one way, which was 58 miles. Um, learned I needed to get a Garmin in reach because uh yeah. some logistical logistical issues there's some very scared people on the other end yeah <laughs> uh so that but that was a big that was a big run um and really just kind of kept building from there so I had a 100 mile peak week uh this week I'm putting in some big miles and uh and then I'll do like a two-week happy taper with yoga and spin class and just like things that feed my soul um, to get me mentally prepared for Havelina. Uh I also spent some time on the John Muir Trail with nice. my friend Emily Hellman two weekends I Googled ago. That. I couldn't find any any info on it. How'd it go? Uh, so we got we got shut down by smoke. Um, she was like 83 miles in and it was it was disgusting. Like yeah. we took a little power nap. We had gone through the night. She hadn't slept at all yet. And we both woke up and our eyes were just red and watering and you could smell it on our clothes. And she was about to do 66 miles solo with no support into the smoke. And it just didn't, didn't make sense. Unfortunately. Was she going southbound? Yes. No. Ending in, ending in Yosemite. Ending. Okay. So she probably, were you at, were you at like Muir Trail Ranch somewhere around there? I went in through Kursage Pass and then exited Bishop Pass. Nice. I should have, I probably should have studied the map more because I, it it was a, it was a serious YOLO mission for, for her and me. She, you know, she wanted to, she had the window of opportunity. Um, You had asked like, how do FK tiers decide when to, to do it? And for her, she, her answer to that was, um, she played the, she gambled with her, uh, you know, the uh, passes, what are they called? The lottery. The lottery, yeah. yeah. Uh, she said she spent about $200 trying to um, get her permits. That's the word I was looking for, permits. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and so she had that window of time. It seemed like the smoke was going to be blowing in different direction and it it was but then the wind shifted so think about the sierras east versus west winds that can teach you some bad 
some bad lessons. <laughs> yeah. She's going to do it again though. That girl is amazing. Like it was, I think that experience was super instrumental in my training. Um, just watching the way she moved through those rugged mountains. It was like a vampire flitting. There's this children's book that I like a preteen book Cirque de Freak and they describe the vampires as flitting like they move effortlessly over ground at high speeds and that's how Emily Hallman moves through the mountains and it was cool to watch and the hike the 12 and a half mile hike out I was hurting and she just was she was like going into her 90th mile just cruising it was just having a great time well I'll ha I have to share one story with you so when I did the PCT I hit, um, so Forrester Pass is, do you know Forrester Pass? Yeah, I saw it on the map. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like the biggest path, highest point on the PCT. And it's really like the guardian to the Sierras, you could think of it as. It's like once you're over Forrester, you're like in the heart of the Sierras, you're like really in it. And so for me, it was like, I said bye to my crew. I went over Forrester Pass that afternoon and it happened to be my birthday um and i was like all i want to do is have like a beer at, on my birthday with the crew get to the pct supported and so they were supposed to hike in uh out of kearsarge and come into on the onion valley trailhead and meet me there and i get there and they don't show up so then you go over i always blank i think it's glen pass right yeah 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 so we went up and over glen pass and we had a backup plan where it was like okay if they don't meet joe if i don't meet you guys at that initial onion valley trailhead because you guys are ahead of pace, hike over um, Glen Pass and I'll meet you on the other side. And so I get to the top of Glen Pass and it's nighttime and I can see like a few headlamps and an area called Ray Lakes. And I was like, oh, thank God my crew's down there. I'm wearing like short shorts and a t-shirt and like a water bladder and, uh, and have like a little bit of food. So if they weren't there, I'd be totally screwed. And of course, Ray Lakes is like one of the most popular camp, like camping, backcountry camping areas in the Sierras. And it's also like, a hard hike to get into and there was no way my crew made it in so i should show up and there's nobody there and then uh -huh. i had to make it the next uh like two two-ish days without any support crew or kind of like overnight equipment through uh the majority of the jft no. <laughs> until i got to red's meadow it gets so cold at night too it gets cold that it does oh no it was yeah i I brought stupid mittens. Like I should have brought, <laughs> I should have brought like actual technical mittens, but I just, I don't know. I had worked the day before and got home and then packed really quickly and then left very early that morning. And I just threw in like, you know, the cheap mittens at thankfully two pairs because I double layered them and <laughs> my hands were still cold. So I can't believe that you did that without <laughs> anything cozy. It worked out, but not, not pleasantly. Yeah. You know, so that's uh that's one way to spend your birthday, Joe. Happy yeah. birthday. Happy birthday. And I was like, I looking at my food and I was like, I think I have like 3000 calories worth of food for the next, maybe I didn't actually, maybe it probably was less than that, but I, I, I just remember looking at my food and being like, okay, I have a salami and I have some nuts and I, have, I was like, how am I going to do this? Stick a candle in your salami and yeah. sing happy birthday. To yeah. <laughs> I didn't bring extra food, but I did bring the candle and the lighter to celebrate. Oh my God. I hope you're serious right no, now. No, I'm kidding. No, Darn. <laughs>
that's cool. That must have been such an amazing experience. It was quite cool. It's hard to it's hard to still wrap my head around, especially when I did it. I, you know, I basically like finished running in college and kind of like didn't really know much about what I was doing, um, and kind of like bit off bit off a lot and managed to barely chew and swallow it. But uh, but it's just one of those kind of like oh yeah, like the guys that I went with in my crew like going to be super you know super good friends, best friends for life. I just actually. Dills, who was the guy who filmed it, he's helped make a bunch of documentaries since I've, as I've continued to do other random adventures. And so he like made this epic blog series, like blog series on the Arizona trail when we were out there. Um, so, you know, he's, we've been like working together and we knew each other in college. That's how he, he was like on the Frisbee team and I was on the cross country team. And so it's, it's fun to kind of see those relationships grow and kind of be like, yeah, that group of people that were on that trip, it's like, I'll have that a bond with them that you know will never will never break or or waver. Yeah. Uh, so something that I experienced during Cocodona, and I'm sure you've now experienced a bunch of times, is after those multi-day adventures, getting like coming back down from that, it's really hard to to enter reality again. Uh, how how do you manage that? Um. Good question. Yeah. It's, it's like so easy to just be like flippant, be, you know, you've like finished something like that, any type of multi-day event and people are like, how was it? And it's, unless you have like a beer in five hours, I'm not, you're not really going to know how it was, you know? Um, so I certainly feel that where it's like, yeah, communicating and, and not having gone through that experience with other people, it just feels like, you know, you're, it feels like you can't do justice to, to what you just experienced, which is kind of a bummer. Um, but you know, it's, it's also, I think, uh, important to, to really do connect with the people who care about you and are interested in those stories because they want to listen. It's just, you don't have, you know, you don't have all day to talk about them. Um, so usually I try to think of like, you know, my, my biggest takeaways and my biggest sort of like reflections that I've had in those experiences and try to share those. Like one thing I, almost inevitably experience on every trail is like gratitude where I'm just like, no matter what it is, you know, somebody worked their butt off or sacrificing for me to allow me to be in this very privileged position to be running, you know, Cocodona 250 mile race, you know, it's, or the Arizona trail and, and to be able to take that time and, and have that be what is your most important problem is, is really like a kind of privileged position that, you know, it's just great to realize all the people that care and support you doing something like that. So like gratitude is something that I often reflect on, on, on big multi-day adventures that I think is something that I, I feel like I connect with people a lot about because usually the people who are asking me how I did, you know, like they're often the people that I'm grateful towards. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've definitely found myself getting teary eyed with gratitude or even yelling like, my friends names if I'm alone in the woods like thank you Rhea thank you whoever (laughs) like I don't know because yeah we're we're lucky to have to have legs and be able to do this I mean it's it's our choice to go out there and push our limits and soak in all the beautiful wilderness so yeah super super thankful for for all of that what did you uh, after you finished Cocodona like what was your like what, what are the next like 24 or 48 hours look like? Um, 
2448 was just like kind of get like getting back to Southern California, eating, responding to messages, looking at pictures. But I think it was like the two weeks after of feeling really drained and like going right back into work. And I didn't have another race or anything planned. So it was I'm a very happy person. And I, I would say it was like a little depressing mm-hmm. <laughs> not having that like next thing to look forward to and just coming down from this extreme high. I mean, it was five days of high. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I definitely have for Havelina, I have um, an FKT that I want to go after in December and I think it'll be nice finishing that and finishing Havelina and like knowing that there's, there's always going to be more, even if it's not planned, but just kind of having like a loose plan, I think is helpful for me at least. Yeah. I try to see, see my, my thing is, and I think this is like a really healthy mindset, but I think it's almost impossible to do is like say to yourself, like, okay, like I'm, I'm not doing anything next right like I just did what my next was and I need to take some time to like really appreciate and think about that experience which is much easier said than done um and that's what I like I feel that same kind of like you know lows and sort of like just kind of like oh you just don't get what like you don't get what I'm talking about when I'm talking about taping blisters or you know sweating like having like chronic inflammation all over the lower half of my body or like having a really beautiful sunset after like a really low time out, out at night, right? Like those things are like, oh, you just don't get what I'm talking about. But, you know, inevitably people want to know like what's next on your radar and what you're doing. And what I always try to tell myself is like, I just did what I wanted to do. And I need to take like a moment and a few weeks to like think about that because that's pretty awesome. <laughs> no matter how it turned out, right? Like that's pretty awesome that I actually took the time to do what I had wanted to do. And I went through with it the best of my ability. And that's still an experience that I'm like go, trying to go through, um, which I don't know if that really helps me kind of think about, you know, next steps or how I feel the week after. But I think for me, I, I try to have that like moment of like, okay, like I did a cool thing and I need to just like relax. <laughs> I can't always be, you know, I can't always be on or always be going after an FKT or always be PRing or trying to crush miles. Like it's, it's okay to not run for two or three weeks. Um, you're, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Celebrate it. And I think my mentality, when I first got into running, I always sort of had an off season because I was living in Vermont and I was skiing a lot. So, um, like I allowed myself to kind of peak in October and then enjoy the winter and yeah, I think kind of creating your own off season, whatever that may look like is super healthy, super yeah. healthy. Um, but yeah, and I, I definitely celebrated Cocodona. Uh, it just, I had never been out there for that long. And I found myself wanting to be back out in those Arizona woods, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's so cool. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to Havelina and spending 
bunch of time in the desert yeah yeah it's gonna be a grand time it's just i mean how can you not have fun well i say that now i haven't been so <laughs> i'll probably be like mile 60 i'll be like damn you shelby <laughs> it's gonna <laughs> Until be then. so good what are you most looking forward to at javelina oh i don't know well so the thing that i haven't done had in a, like a long time is like uh i think it'll be I think almost no matter how you look at it, it's like people are going to probably go out hard and it's going to feel really competitive and going to feel tight for at least the first half, you know, maybe it'll spread out a bit after, but, uh, but I think I'm really excited to just like, you know, toe the line with some really solid runners and, uh, and, you know, like the first half of the race is always this kind of funny, like you just got to get the first 50 miles out of the way. So like the racing begins. So, um, to me, I'm just like, I haven't been in like a, uh, you know, when I think of like competitive races that I've done in the last handful of years, um, like I had a, like I've been to UTMB twice and the last in 2019, like I kind of fell apart during, during that, um, and didn't really feel like it was like a competitive effort for me towards the end, because I just was like, I need to survive this. I did Vermont 100 and I ran the majority of that solo. Um, and, you know, I did a few other races, but none of which really have been like really tight or competitive races. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to get some of that like race vibiness back, um, especially because, you know, no one's really raced in 2020. And for me, it's probably going to be, you know, it, it'll be a fun, a fun uh, test of, of metal and, and just an opportunity to I don't know. See what you can do over a hundo. Yeah, it's going to be racy. Those golden tickets are on the line. Dang, golden tickets. They should just have 10. That would make it a lot easier. Oh, that would be sweet. <laughs> Even if it was the top five. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they should just give everybody a participation medal and uh, and let everybody enter Western. That That's what Avelina should petition to Western next year. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that'll never. Go over. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna go over. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be wild, though. I'm I'm really excited. Are you wearing a costume? I need to. I don't think I can not. I well, I guess I can not because I'm also like okay. I should be a responsible adult and wear like appropriate desert racing gear. So well, you could dress like a string bean. I know. I honestly thought about that. Don't tell anyone though. <laughs> I did think about how funny that would be. It's probably some good green tech material. Yeah, I'm sure it's very breathable. Yeah. And doesn't chafe at all. Just yeah, I ordered something and it's probably it's probably gonna chafe. I might might need to make some altercations on it. We'll see. The bad news is Amazon does not have any string bean uh halloween costumes Shoot. i just i just checked oh like i don't know your favorite running brand to search sort everything by green <laughs> so we have a praying mantis uh rasta and pasta kale lettuce corn on the cob green caterpillar looks like my top options <laughs> i i have faith that you'll be able to put something together i just need to get my craftiness together right. yeah you what about it. you are you costuming i have i have like a little plan yeah but you're not gonna spread you're not gonna just spread your plan to the whole world like i just did 
you know, I feel like maybe it's time. Sure. Yeah. I'll spread my plan. So, uh, I would say that my spirit animal is a mountain lion. And if you were to ask a mountain lion, what they're going to be for Halloween, they would probably be an alien reptilian snow leopard that lives in the desert. Right. Yeah. That, that lines up. Yeah. So I'm going to be an alien reptilian desert snow leopard. Is that, is this a homemade costume or is this something you found? found? I found, uh, I found just like basically bike shorts and a sports bra from a very, uh, overseas vendor that that will probably chase. Um, so I'm trying to figure out like if I maybe layer some proper compression shorts under the bike shorts, we'll see. I think it'll be fine. Luckily I don't chafe often, knock on wood. Um, Very overseas vendor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the kind that takes like way too long to ship to you and you get it and it's like very chintzy spandexy material. But I, I expected it to be a surprise like that. I was. But that's what, that's what your spirit animal would want. You know, yeah, it is. It's, yeah. A, it's just like a really cool like snow leopard print that has like kind of a reptilian pattern in the background and like an alien head hidden in one of the snow leopard spots. It's yeah, really I'm cool curious print. about how, the, how they pick those three. I mean, sorry, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, they all they all like mesh perfectly. <laughs> they all go together really They well. all make a ton of sense. So my whole crew, we're going to be like a big cat theme and <laughs> we'll have uh these sweet little white adidas running hats and i need to sew some cat ears onto them that's my project during taper week yeah that's like race prep 101 (laughs) so on cat ears sewing cat ears on white desert running hats our back my backup idea is a few of the people from uh from the arizona trail are going to be there crewing and we uh for whatever reason cats like the the movie adaptation cats became this like a big part of our experience, group experience so maybe we've we did throw around the idea of doing cats which no one took seriously but at the same time i think people are kind of itching to do cat costumes so maybe and not like cat costumes i i that would probably be like spandex type cat yeah well, uh, more you can join my cat clan if you if you go the cat route that's basically what i'm asking Okay, yeah, you're you're welcome to the family. <laughs> but we must only communicate in meows and growls when we pass each other on course. To be fair, that's probably all I'll want to say at whatever at whatever point we're at. So that's good. Oh, I can't wait for that. <laughs> Rawr. Meow. How's your well, you can't ask how your race is going. So we'll just know however you if you meow or per. Well, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's going to be great. I'm excited. Are there any other thoughts that you have lingering about Havelina that you'd like to share with the world? Share with the world. Um, <laughs> wow, that's a, a another loaded question. Either I'm like, either you're good at stumping more, I'm just bad at answering questions. No, um, I'm just asking probably vague questions. Like I said, I'm a podcasting rookie, so. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I mean, really, I'm just like stoked to, to be part of like a really hyped, fun 
race environment. I think, I mean, like no matter what happens, you know, anybody who's out there, hopefully stop me, say hi and uh, meow. I'll actually say this because it could lead to some fun interactions. If you see me and you're listening to this, either meow or purr uh, on the race course based on how well your race is going and I'll, I'll know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's just turn all of heavily in a hundred into <laughs> cat race cat race <laughs> hmm. all right that could be a goal for next year how many people show up to join our cat family yep <laughs> you're all welcome to those listening you're all welcome it's a safe space for cats <laughs> it's safe space. oh people my god i hate the film but they'll they'll love us and we can have a group screening afterwards Yes, and uh, there will be no singing, uh, at least by me. (laughs) But maybe Taylor Swift. No promises, though. (laughs) Yeah, I can definitely uh, bop to her while I'm running. (laughs) She's in in Cats, in case you're wondering. Oh, is she? That almost makes me want to watch Cats now. You would think, but touche. Maybe maybe you don't still. okay yeah maybe i don't well i'll tbd tbd i'll let you know there we go <laughs> that yep. could be my uh pre-race activity what did you do the night before Havelina? i watched cats <laughs> oh man all right well this was really fun i hope that uh i hope we are laughing this hard at mile 85 of Havelina. i think we will be so my biggest this is my you want to know my biggest racing weakness yeah I can't physically burp. Oh. So inevitably I get stomach discomfort and then have a good vom sesh. Oh, I hope I I don't see you then. I exactly. Yeah. Uh, If I I might not, I might not be, I might be regurgitating rather than, I might have a cat ball, I guess is what would really be going on. (laughs) Okay. If Joe gets uh, fur balls, we'll just leave him alone and he'll (laughs) bounce back. Let him be. (laughs) oh that's a bummer i'm a bad spitter but i mean Mm. it's okay like i can't hawk loogies my mom just taught me that it was really gross and so i just never i never learned valuable (laughs) skill this is what makes a great ultra runner you gotta work on it i'll work on it yeah just not in front of my mom she would be be mortified (laughs) um sweet all right well Joe, it's been amazing talking to you. Go follow him on Instagram, thestring.bean. And if you need to get coached, Joe has a really, really great success rate. So, <laughs> well, thank you. And it's been a uh, quite fun interview. I didn't think I would really talk publicly about cats, but now this can be my coming out, oh, coming out interview. Good. I'm so glad I could help you. <laughs> And the best part is we'll see each other in Arizona. Yeah, we will. Yes. Woo. Shoot. I think we forgot to go over how the nickname string bean came about podcast fail. Just kidding. I wanted to give you something to talk to Joe about when you see him on course on the 30th, he might answer in meows and purrs, but I'm sure you'll get the gist of the story. Huge thanks to Joe and everyone who has let me interview them for this project. We still have a few more surprises before race day, so stay tuned. If you like what you hear, give me a follow at F. That's two Zs. If you're lucky, I'll post some cat pictures soon because cats rule. Peace out. <laughs>